0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Sitka Nature Show. This is your host, Matt. I want to thank you for joining me here in the first weekend of May 2023. It is near or maybe just slightly past the peak of bird migration here for the spring. It's certainly not over by any stretch, but this past week we had many, many shorebirds moving through as well as sparrows, especially golden crown sparrows and savannah sparrows, which were in small flocks and, and scattered All across town, any lawn, many people that have feeders or just seen them in their yard. We're excited to be able to observe those. The shorebirds were mostly concentrated at Totem Park here in Sitka. We saw some at other places as well, as we usually do, but there were many hundreds, probably at least a couple of thousand different shorebirds that were frequenting, especially at low tide. Lots and lots of black turnstones, surf birds, rock sandpipers. Then the uh, smaller shorebirds we affectionately call peeps, including Dunlin, Western Sandpipers, and Least Sandpipers. There were some unusual ones as well. We had some marble, uh, well, marble godwits aren't quite as unusual, but Hudsonian godwits are more unusual. We don't see those every year. There was also a couple of red knots. It's unusual to see those along the road system, though they are regular further out on the Sound, on the rocky shores out there. The... Baird's sandpiper was also another unusual one. I think it's only the fifth spring I've seen one in the past 20 years. Most exciting for me was an Arctic tern. They are not unusual in southeast Alaska more generally, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to show up here in Sitka along the road system very much. I know folks see them out on the sound and out offshore during migration, but this is only the first one of those I've seen in many years of birding here in Sitka. Of course, this season is also when the plants really get going. Lots of plants springing up out of the ground. It's impressive how quickly they can grow once they get started. It always seems a little bit slow, and then suddenly everything's popping. I have seen a few wildflowers out. The Fernleaf Goldfred is one of the earliest bloomers. I've been seeing it some Stream violets, the yellow violets that you see in the forest and along some of the trails, is started to bloom in places. Of course, this time of year, the little microclimates make a big difference. Uh, over a week or two, as we're excited to see these flowers, you know they'll pop up in some places and be a week or two later in others. But it's a great time to get out. If you are getting out, I'd love to hear what you're seeing out there. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there. With many songbirds arriving over the past couple of weeks and beginning to set up territories and do their singing, I thought it'd be a great time to review the bird songs of Sitka area. And I'll go ahead and start with the song sparrow. Song sparrows are one of the most common birds that we'll see around in our yards and shrubby areas. They're also present along the harbors, even nesting in the harbor, I think. So we'll go ahead and play a song sparrow song here to begin. One of the things that you might want to notice there with the song sparrow is that it starts with a couple of repeated notes, often two or three repeated notes. And there's quite a bit of trilling in there. Uh, No real slides and and, uh, sort of sliding whistles that we might hear in a fox sparrow, which I'll play in a little bit. Uh, Song sparrows, as I mentioned, they're along the harbor. Uh, they don't tend to go up very high. They're definitely close to the ground birds. Uh, when they're singing, you might see them sometimes on a, a utility line wire if it's not too high up, or the top of a small uh, hemlock tree. Maybe up, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 feet at the most. I think maybe even 30 feet, pushing it a little bit, but probably more like 20 feet up in the air and and down. Uh, that's where the fox uh, song sparrows, excuse me, tend to tend to sing. So again, I'll play this once more one more time here and just notice the starting notes, there's each song, there's slight variations, but it starts with a couple of repeated notes and there's a lot of sort of that trilling kind of sound there. <laughs> So there were some other uh, birds singing in the background that you might have noticed if you were listening closely, uh, but the four loudest, uh, there are four verses, I guess you could say, um, loudest songs were the song sparrow. Uh, song sparrows are known to have, uh, in some studies, they've been uh, found to have five to eight different songs that they sing, um, but similar in style, uh, might have slight you know, variations, but they'll tend to start with those repeated notes at the beginning and have, have trills in there along the way. The species that I was most prone to getting these uh, song sparrows confused with, especially when I was starting out, was the fox sparrow. Uh, They look pretty similar. There are some differences, and it doesn't take too much practice to learn to tell them apart, but especially for folks that are just starting out, they're both um, fairly good-sized, dark brown sparrows with kind of spots looking like or streaks on the chest, Uh, and so they're, they're... very quite similar in that regard. They both like to hang out on the ground. They both don't go up too high. The fox sparrow also isn't going to be found singing very high. Uh, but the main difference that you know really helped me was when it was actually the folks that hiked around from Seattle to, uh, or they pack rafted, I guess they hiked and, and used their pack rafts to get from Seattle to the Aleutian Islands. Uh, and they ran into a lot of fox sparrows along the way, as well as uh, song sparrows. And they describe the fox sparrow as a Star Wars bird. So, if you're familiar with Star Wars and R2 D2, there's a lot of these sliding whistles, kind of sliding whistles or beeps that uh, the song sparrow pretty much does not do, and the fox sparrow pretty much always does. So, here's a fox sparrow. <whistles> So you can kind of hear those whistling, uh, sliding whistles that the fox sparrow does. And I have another recording of a different fox sparrow where there's not quite as much of the sliding whistle uh, part of the song, but you can still hear that. Uh, This one accompanied by a neighborhood dog. So, again, that was the fox sparrow. And uh, fox sparrows, to me, they have those sliding whistles that are in there. Uh, and most similar to a song sparrow, both of these are going to be largish brown uh, sparrow like birds. Well, they are sparrows. So, sparrow birds, uh, not too high up off the ground, maybe 30 feet in a tree or on a utility line, but often lower than that when they're singing. And uh, before I move on to the next species, I'll go ahead and just play the song sparrow once and then uh, followed by the fox sparrow so you can hear them each in turn. So here with the song sparrow, remember to listen for the repeated notes at the beginning of each song. Uh, There's gonna tend to be quite a uh, few trills in there, uh, especially towards the end. And then also uh, none of the sliding whistle parts of the song that we'll hear with the fox sparrow. So here's the song sparrow. So that was the song sparrow and next is the fox sparrow where you will want to listen for the uh, sliding whistles that are in there Uh, and they don't tend to have the repeated notes at the beginning of each song so that was the fox sparrow and Besides the, you know, the fox sparrow and the song sparrow do sound pretty similar. It took me a while to kind of start to tease them apart. Um, I don't think there are any other birds locally that sound too much like those. Probably the most or the next most similar bird species uh, that sound has a song similar would be the Lincoln sparrow. The Lincoln sparrows do not tend to be as common uh, as either the fox sparrow or the song sparrow around here. Um, both the song and the fox sparrows are present in town in neighborhoods of wherever there might be thickets. Fox sparrows I've seen up to tree treeline um, and, and throughout. The song sparrows seem to be really pretty concentrated near the shoreline. So If you're off the shoreline, uh, maybe along uh, a lake or something in some places, you might find them as well. But they don't seem to be away from the water, uh, except for in towns. And I'm not sure why that is, but that's been my experience. Uh, Lincoln sparrows, on the other hand, they tend to be not around town as much um, in Sitka proper. Uh, The place I most often hear them is around Swan Lake. So they do tend to be around Swan Lake. I also hear them over at the airport. So I don't know. Uh, if they like more open open habitat along, uh, so the edges of open habitat, because another place I've seen them uh, and listened to them sing has been the edges of muskegs. So the Lincoln Sparrow song uh, is, I don't know, I would describe it kind of more verbally, uh, kind of seems to bubble up and has this kind of bubbling quality to it. Um, and another place oh, I, that I forgot to mention that I've also heard them pretty regularly is the uh, Stargavin Estuary. So if you walk around the boardwalk of the estuary, you might hear these there. So here is uh, Lincoln's Sparrow singing. Like the fox sparrow and the song sparrow that I played previously, the uh, Lincoln sparrow will not tend to be up very high in the trees. Um, When I've seen it singing, it's actually been even lower than the highest I've seen, the song sparrow and fox sparrow. Part of that may just be the... times i've happened to observe it but most of the times it's been within 10 feet of the ground you know might be on a fence or or a low shrub kind of midway up a low shrub uh, that's where they tend to like to uh, sing in my experience so not a, a real high up in the uh high up in the trees or, or bushes kind of singing uh very to my ears fairly distinctive just this bubbly uh call that's coming up and i'll play it once more So that is the Lincoln Sparrow. And uh, keep an eye out for those and ear out for those, I guess I should say. Uh, Stargavin Estuary, maybe over by long-term parking at the airport here in Sitka. Uh, around Swan Lake, so and I've also noticed them at the edges of muskegs, um, kind of brushy muskegs. So if you're in other areas, maybe uh, maybe open kind of the, the fringes at the at the edges of, of more open areas. Uh, I'm not quite sure where uh, else you might find them, but those are the places that that I've found them, uh, and it's a good place to listen. Another low-hanging bird that doesn't get tend to get too high and has a a very distinctive song. um, It's a very small bird, our Pacific Wren. Uh, If you have an older bird book, you might have it in there as the Winter Wren. Uh, Taxonomically speaking, they decided that there were uh, apparently, two species of, of or maybe even three winter wrens used to be around all around the northern hemisphere. Uh, now they have the Pacific Wren, which is in western North America. The winter wren, as it 's currently called is is restricted pretty much to eastern North America. Uh, so ours is the Pacific wren, a very distinctive song. A small bird likes to hang around in the forests and, and kind of you know you might find it scooting around under logs and and that kind of thing. When it's singing, it will tend to climb up on a a snag or something, but usually still only maybe 10 to 15 feet above the ground. Uh, You'll see a a male up there perched singing his heart out, and it's actually kind of incredible how much song they can put out uh, of that tiny little body. So here is a Pacific Wren. That was a uh, Pacific wren, and it definitely packs the most number of notes I think into the shortest time period of any singing bird around uh, Sitka that you might be here. Uh, good places to hear them: are pretty much any place you might walk in the forest you, uh, at Sitka National Historical Park. There's a lot of them singing there, but really any of the trails around town with uh, forest pretty good sized forest, you will find wrens this time of year uh, if you get out there, they may still actually be building nests, so it might be a good opportunity if you 're inclined to kind of uh, look for that kind of thing. Uh, you might find some wrens gathering nesting material and and building their nests they 'll put them sometimes uh, tucked away under uh, maybe under fallen over logs or or pieces of bark that have come up it 's I found two or three over the years, and and probably the most enjoyable was uh, amusing to me, I guess, really. was one that uh, built a nest in the wreath on uh, a neighbor of mine had left up the Christmas wreath on their front door um, for several months. And and the wren actually put a nest inside the center of that wreath. Um, As I understand it, males will build multiple nests, and the females will pick which one they prefer. And I don't believe that nest ever got used uh, in in the end, but it was fun to see it see it go in there. So I'll go ahead and play the Pacific Wren song once more. Uh, Just keep in mind here that just an immense number of notes, lots of very fast moving notes in these songs, and this is a very small bird that's singing. So uh, if you ever see one of these singing, it'll be perched up usually on top of a snag, maybe 10 to 15 feet up in the air, and just belting out this, this song that's almost impossible to believe that it's coming out of a bird that is so tiny. Once again, that was the Pacific Wren, a pretty common bird here in the forest. Another bird in the forest uh, that if you're walking around, say, at the park, uh, you might hear, and this one, unlike the Wren, it can be very difficult to find and see. They tend to hang out pretty high up in the canopy. They're they're common, um, but some birders call them nemesis birds. They're easy to hear, difficult to observe. And that is the Townsend Swarblers. Sometimes you get lucky and they'll come down. Uh, some of my best pictures of them came when one came down into a Salmonberry Thicket and was kind of foraging in my backyard there uh, and singing as it went. Um, they seem to not, um, at least not that I've noticed, pick a perch and sing there like the Sparrows or the Wren does, but rather just sing as they're going about their business. And so this is the, a pretty distinctive bird song for here, uh, difficult sometimes to figure out at first because they sound different in different places of their range, and so if you listen to recordings online or something, it may sound a little different than what we hear here. Uh, so I'll go ahead and play a recording of a Townsend's Warbler that I recorded here in Sitka. So that was a Townsend's warbler that I recorded at uh, Totem Park, and it is fairly typical for what I hear around here. But sometimes there are other variations, and I've re- uh, heard and not got great recordings, so I won't share them here. But heard other variations when I've had opportunity to be in places elsewhere on Baranoff Island, over on the east side of Baranoff Island, and up on West Chichikov. In both locations, I heard variations of the Townsend warbler song. I recognize that they were about Townsend Swarblers in part by the way that the the voice sounded, as opposed to the melody of the song and the notes of the song. Uh, So there is some variation there. If you travel around, uh, Townsend Swarblers occur throughout the Northwest Coast, uh, Southeast Alaska, down into Washington and and I think, I'm not quite sure how far north, but I suspect over to Prince William Sound and, and maybe even the uh, uh, Kenai Peninsula. So I did record a, another um, variant, I guess I should say, of uh, Townsend's Warbler in Totem Park a while back. And so I'll play this other variant just to give you a sense of some of the variation that there might be in Townsend's Warblers. Now, any individual Townsend's Warbler seems to have a pretty similar, consistent song. I haven't noticed them really changing it up when I've been listening. I am curious about the nature of the variation in the Townsend's Warbler song. If uh, they learn and they sing the songs similar to those next to them, uh, or, or in their area, and so they're singing that way, or if they learn a song at some point and that's what they stick with. I am curious, though, about the the way that it seems to vary regionally, and why. And I'm not sure why a song in a given spot would tend to be consistent from year to year, especially during the migration part of the season when I would expect there to be birds moving through. Uh, so that's, that's a question that I'm sort of uh, curious about. I don't know if somebody will someday do some research on it or if I'll have opportunity to... To get out a little bit more during the nesting season and, and maybe record from more locations uh, around Southeast Alaska, but something I'm curious about. Uh, before I leave the Townsend's Warbler, I'll go ahead and play each of those clips uh, one after the other, just so you have a sense of uh, some of the variation in Townsend's Warbler song. So that was the first variation of Townsend's Warbler song, and here is the second. So once again, that was a Townsend's Warbler song. Pretty distinctive, but it was one of the ones that took me the longest to figure out because uh, it does vary from place to place, and a lot of the recordings uh, were recorded elsewhere. Uh, also in the forest, a bird that you're more likely to hear than see uh, has a uh, distinctive song, I guess. Again, doesn't sound like the other ones that we're, we're hearing about. Most often you'll hear these just making call notes, and that's uh, Golden Crown Kinglet. And their song is, I like to describe it as, it's kind of a repeated set of notes and then they trail downward and kind of trail off at the end. And they're, again, going to be in kind of the dense conifer or in the canopy of the conifers, I guess I should say. Sometimes you'll see them down lower. I don't know if I've ever actually seen one singing. I certainly have heard them uh, many times and seen them separately many times, but uh, it is not so often that I hear them singing. And like the Townsend's Warbler, they don't seem to have a preferred perch where they'll go up and they'll sing. I'm not sure how their territoriality works, uh, if they just go around their territory and, and are singing continually, or if they have, yeah, I assume that they have some territory, but I do not know how that, that works. And maybe that's part of the reason that they aren't picking a perch and singing from it. Uh, but here's a golden crown kinglet. So that was a Golden Crown Kinglet. Uh, I just you know, think of their song as they get more and more insistent and then they trail off at the end. So it sort of starts on this repeated note, getting more like it just feels more insistent to me at some level and then trails off at the end, sometimes even then starting to sound a little more like a chickadee. Uh, but they uh, are high-frequency callers. I mean, their song and their calls are at high frequencies. And so some folks, uh, when you start to lose your high-frequency hearing, maybe you've used a lot of chainsaws over the years, um, it can be difficult to uh, hear those, and so you may, you may miss them entirely if you don't listen carefully. Uh, so, yeah, once again, I'll play, play this once more. It's the Golden Crown Kinglet, and listen for the sort of repeated notes at the beginning, uh, getting more insistent and then dropping off, You know, both in pitch and in sort of intensity uh, towards the end as it kind of falls off. And that's the Golden Crown Kinglet song. So once again, that was the golden crown kinglet. And as I mentioned, there is a little bit there that sounds like a, chest, a chickadee. And we just have chestnut-backed chickadees here as a general rule. There have been other vagrants reported over the years. But pretty much if you're hearing a chickadee here in Sitka, it's going to be a chestnut back chickadee. And the song, I don't know if they actually have a song much other than their than their calls. And so I've never really heard them. I've heard them making some other kind of chuckling noises, I guess. Um, I wouldn't call those a song either, but their main, you know, chickadee call uh, is sort of reminiscent of what we heard at the end of a couple of those Golden Crowns, Kinglet songs. And so just for uh, reference, I'll go ahead and play Chestnut Back Chickadee uh, calls here. now the chickadee is kind of well known as a a sentinel bird i guess you might say that that they are paying attention to what's going on and they will make alarms and other birds will cue into those and as i understand it the number of d's sort of at the end and this one didn't have any real d's it was just chickadee but if they go chickadee that means that it's more a more intense alarm as i understand it and that the predator is i guess at some level more scary to them so that might be something to to listen for as you're out there uh, listening to the birds. Um, The chickadees are fairly distinctive. Um, They hang out, especially in the wintertime, uh, non-breeding season. You'll often see them in mixed flocks with these golden crowned kinglets that I mentioned before. This time of year, they tend to seem to be separate. Uh, They both like similar habitats. You'll see them in the forest. Um, often, or hear them in the forest more often than see them, I suppose. They'll be up in the canopy. And they're just simple call notes. It can be very difficult to distinguish. Uh, But the songs, those little chickadee uh, calls, I guess, and again, I don't know if those are songs, uh, strictly speaking, are fairly distinctive. Uh, They nest in little cavities, the chickadees do. And a couple times I found a nest, you listen for begging birds and then watch the chickadees uh, coming in, and it's kind of fun. Sometimes people have even got them to nest in uh, nest boxes that they put up. So I'll go ahead and play that chickadee song one more time. So that was the chestnut backed chickadee. and. It hangs around with golden crown kinglets in similar habitat and and in mixed flocks. In fact, in the non breeding season, uh, the other bird that you'll sometimes find with those in the non breeding season that also likes to be uh, in the in the big forest is the brown creeper. Uh, brown creepers, uh, you know the chickadees and the uh, kinglets, they'll be calling from up in the branches somewhere often fairly high where you can't actually see them very easily. But the brown creeper uh, will sing as it's doing its foraging. Again, none of these birds seem to like to pick a perch and sing from it, but they just sing as they're doing their thing, I guess. And the thing that the brown creepers do is they crawl up trees. They creep up trees. They're in other places called tree creepers. Uh, And they'll creep up the tree and they'll fly down to the base and they'll creep up again. They almost always go up or up the tree or out a branch, Occasionally, you might find them going in a different direction, but for the most part, they're going up. And the first few times I heard a a brown creeper song, I was like, that's a strange sounding chickadee. And it took me a few times before I finally realized, oh, this is a, a brown creeper. So here is the brown creeper song. The Brown Creeper song is kind of a quick little song. Uh, I've heard it. I think in other places it might be a little longer than that. There's a little little mnemonic device for helping to remember it, something like trees, trees, beautiful trees. Um, but they don't really seem to sound like that here. Um, that song that I just played is more typical of what I've heard here, uh, and it's yeah, it reminds me a little bit of a strange sounding chickadee. I often hear those sort of coming from the forest somewhere, and it can be a little difficult to track down because the the creepers are often moving around. Uh, I did get a chance one time to see uh, where a brown creeper was nesting. Somebody shared with me uh, where they had seen a brown creeper crawling, uh, going up and building a nest under an over sort of overhanging piece of bark, the old snag and part of the bark had come up a little bit. And they're actually building their nest in under underneath that, which is kind of kind of interesting to see. So before I move on, I will play the brown creeper song just one more time. So that again was the brown creeper, a bird that's, I would say, uncommon in our forests around here. It's not, uh, not super difficult to find, but but you don't find them all the time. So before I leave, the birds of the forest, kind of the coniferous forest, if you're walking around, maybe like the loops at Totem Park or up Indian River Trail, uh, good places to hear these birds, maybe Mosquito Cove. Um, there's one other species that I'd like to play. Uh, you know, the very thrush is in there. I don't happen to have a recording of a very thrush to share, but they're very common uh, or well-known. I guess a lot of people uh, recognize them as the telephone bird, just a, a solid, buzzy kind of whistle. Um Single note, you know, extends for a second or two. Uh, So that's pretty distinctive. Um, If you've been hearing that and and you hadn't heard what it was before, so that's a varied thrush, I might take a look online and look for a recording of that. Uh, But the one I wanted to play a recording of today is the Pacific Slope Flycatcher. That bird, also, pretty distinctive call. I've heard uh, it described as the come here bird because it's kind of got this whistle like you might hear from somebody trying to get your attention. And that's part of its repertoire. Um, there's also another set of kind of, I guess, maybe three notes that are repeated. Uh, well, I shouldn't say three notes, a three-note phrase, essentially, it's a, that's repeated. And I'll play both the, the come here whistle and the uh, or get your attention whistle and the three-note phrase here in a moment. Uh, the interesting thing about uh, flycatchers, in part, is that they seem to have their song hardwired in. Many songbirds learn their songs uh, when they're young. The Pacific Slope flycatcher, and some other flycatchers as well, have a very consistent song as it's genetically programmed into them. So here is the, shall we say, the get your attention whistle of the Pacific Slope flycatcher, uh, which you might hear in a forested area. So sometimes that sort of get your attention whistle a sounding call uh, was followed by a little, almost like a squeak of a a chip note, a call note. And the other, I guess, main song of the Pacific Slope Flycatcher, uh, that's part of that song as well. So here is a clip of the Pacific Slope Flycatcher and the other part of its song. Once again, that was the Pacific Slope Flagcatcher, a bird you're mostly going to hear in the forest, probably mostly low elevation forests, coniferous forests. Um, you know, you might, as long as you're near them, you could hear them coming from there, but it seems like that's mostly where they hang out. I want to go ahead and shift from birds in that habitat to birds that you might hear uh, from that habitat, but are mostly going to hang out in along the margins of that, maybe where there's mixed forest with alders mixed in, along uh, shorelines or or along rivers or near thickets, uh, maybe in some mixed open areas where. Uh, perhaps there's uh, old old deadfalls, and now the salmonberry thickets have moved in. Uh, so there's some other birds that that are pretty commonly heard around here. Ruby-crowned kinglet is the one I'm going to start with. It's actually one of our earliest migrants Uh, songbird migrants. They show up often by the end of March, uh, first week of April for sure. Uh, They're typically here, often in the alders, uh, red alders especially, you'll see them. Uh, They'll call, once again, not necessarily from a single perch, but they'll be calling as they're moving through uh, foraging. They're a small bird as well, Uh, and they have a pretty distinctive song. I'll go ahead and play it for you now, the Ruby Crown Kinglet. So that was a ruby crown kinglet Uh, in the foreground there. There were some other birds kind of singing in the background, you might have noticed. Uh, The ruby crown kinglet is fairly consistent. Uh, There is some variation that I've noticed. They most often will start with a kind of a repeated note. Um, Even if they don't do it every time through, uh, you will hear them sing that uh, usually at some point. Um, if you listen for more than just a few seconds. Uh, So it's a repeated note, and then there's this kind of rhythm that often shows up that is reminiscent uh, a little bit of the Lone Ranger. So that's another thing that helped me when I was first starting to learn these bird songs. Somebody pointed that out to me and, and made it a little easier for me to... Uh, remember how that was, uh, what those were. So I do have some other recordings here of uh, Ruby Crown Kinglet. I will play that, give you a little more sense of the variation that you might hear in a Ruby Crown Kinglet song. That was another version of a ruby crown kinglet. And one of the things I've noticed as over the years as I have become more proficient at identifying birds by their songs is that now I am interested in the variation that occurs in the song. So the ruby crown kinglet is uh, present throughout the road system, and I've noticed some variations. I do not know if individuals tend to s- sing the same song or... If the variations are, you know, an individual sing a uh, number of different variations, or if there's a spatial component to it, that is, do the birds out at Stargavin tend to sing similarly, and the birds at Totem Park sing similarly, but they don't necessarily sing as similarly uh, to each other between those places. So that's some of the things that I'm curious about, and, you know, really, I guess all that takes is going out and recording and paying some attention, uh, but... If anybody else is interested in those kind of questions, I'd encourage you, it's easy enough to record, even with a smartphone, but you can also get some pretty inexpensive digital recorders uh, to record bird songs. So I'll go ahead and uh, finish up the Ruby Crown Kinglets here with one more variation on the Ruby Crown Kinglet. Once again, that was a ruby crown kinglet, that one recorded at Totem Park in the springtime, so you might have heard some of the ravens that are uh, pretty common down there uh, calling in the background. Another bird of the sort of Fringe areas, the uh, doesn't call as high necessarily. It tends to be a little lower in my experience, but really like salmonberry thickets, uh, also in alders, red alder stands, and so forth. Is the orange-crowned warbler? Uh, orange-crowned warblers show up usually the end of April and first of May. Kind of that neighborhood within there, they start to show up, and their song is pretty distinctive. I've heard it described. Um, one of my past guests, Lucy Phillips, described it as running your fingers along a comb. It's kind of got that quality of sound to it. So. Here is the orange crowned warbler. The orange crowned warbler there, it has a repeated note, kind of a trill actually, maybe a slow trill um, that is tends to decrease or increase in tone at the end. So the pitch tends to change and the speed of the trill seems to change typically towards the end. It doesn't always work that way, but most often it does. The orange crowned warblers are going to be hanging around in shrubs and you can often see them if you try and follow them uh, or try and find the sound, I guess, where the sound is coming from. They will be moving around through the thickets as they're calling. Uh, most often, that's how I've noticed them uh, calling. They don't, also don't seem to hold a single perch where they're going to be singing repeatedly. Although I have noticed that happen before, I have seen one singing from a perch, often very low to the ground. The one that I noticed and, and watched for a few minutes singing from the same uh, perch was only about three feet off the ground uh, out at the end of Totem Park there, kind of along the margin of the beach. So here is, once again, the Orange Crown Warbler song. Now, when the orange-crowned warbler sings like in that recording where there's a change in pitch and a change in uh, tempo of the trill, it's relatively easy to distinguish from other birds around here. But sometimes they don't do that. Sometimes the the pitch will remain the same and maybe the trill will remain uh, at a constant rate. And in those cases, it can be very difficult to tell apart uh, orange-crowned warbler from a junco. Uh, Dark-eyed juncos are quite common here. They are one of the most abundant birds in the winter. If you keep a bird feeder, you'll see lots of dark-eyed juncos. Usually around sometime in March and April, they start to disperse. Depends a little bit on on the weather that year, but the flocks will start to diminish in size around the neighborhoods. And I don't know where all they, they all go. Some of them may go further away, but it seems like at least some of them are probably nesting. They move up uphill, basically. They move up into the valleys. They like to nest along the edges of places, the edges of forest clearings, the edges of muskegs, all the way up to tree line, you can find them. And they all do. They also do nest in neighborhoods. So you'll see some, but not nearly as many throughout the summer. Uh, Junkos often do like to perch uh, when they sing. I don't remember actually seeing them move around and singing. They usually are singing from a single perch. Uh, in my experience, most often from the top of a small tree, not super high up in the air, you know, maybe in that 10 to 20 foot range, maybe a little higher than that. Uh, they'll be up in this, tree and they'll just have this trill that's repeated again and again and the trill of a junco sounds a little different than the orange crowned warbler but the distinctiveness of the tone it can be difficult to hear um, when you're just starting out so just listen for the the constant uh repeated trill without a change typically without a change in speed or in pitch so here is a dark eyed junco singing Now, to my ears, that Junko song sounds slightly more melodic. I guess the, the tone of the voice is richer and fuller than that of the Orange crowned Warbler. So that's one of the things that I listen for, uh, but it took me quite a while before I could start to hear that consistently. And even now, there are times when I'm not sure whether I'm hearing a Dark eyed Junko or whether I'm hearing uh, Orange crowned Warbler. So just to give you a sense of how challenging that can be to tell them apart, I will go ahead and play a orange crowned warbler call where the warbler did not change pitch and did not change the speed of its of its trill and the only reason i really was positive what it was is because i was able to watch it while i recorded So that was the Orange Crown Warbler, and here again is the Dark Eyed Junko. One thing that might stand out between those two recordings is the speed of the trill. It was much quicker for the Orange Crown Warbler. Unfortunately, that isn't consistent. Uh, there are Orange Crown Warblers that trill slower, and there are juncos that trill faster at times. Sometimes even the same junko I have noticed that. Uh, Every once in a while, a Junko will switch between a slow trill and a fast trill. So in the end, with orange-crowned warblers and dark-eyed juncos. Sometimes you just need to see the bird to be sure. Uh, Personally, I find it kind of fun to have these mysteries out there where I don't always know what it is that I'm hearing, and I'm just enjoying it. It's uh, always a challenge to to keep learning more. So I would encourage you to treat it that way as well. It's not the end of the world if you can't identify every bird out there, but it's fun to listen, Uh, an excuse, I guess, really, to listen and pay more attention to what's out there. There is one other bird that sometimes people mistake for Orange-Crowned Warbler or a Dark-Eyed Junko. It uh, has a, a trill, sort of a repeated note, but much slower than either the Junko or the Orange-Crowned Warbler tends to be, and that's the Wilson's Warbler. Uh, Wilson's warblers tend to be in, I guess where I've mostly noticed them is in salmonberry thickets, sometimes in relatively small salmonberry thickets in the forest. So uh, in an area that might be considered mostly just forest, but there's a small clearing with salmonberries, uh, they'll be in there sometimes. They are also along the estuary at Stargavin or out Nelson Logging Road. You'll hear them fairly often out there. And they're pretty distinctive. If you see them, they're a bright yellow bird, the male with this black cap, and the females a slightly less bright yellow, but but still a bright yellow bird. Uh, very distinctive looking bird. And the song is this, I guess maybe a slow trill, repeated note. And the way it sounds to me is that it gets more insistent. So you might actually also, if you remember the golden crown kinglet, kind of mistake it for that as well, but the kinglet drops off at the end, whereas this Wilson's Warbler just gets more insistent and then stops. So here's a Wilson's Warbler scene. So that was a Wilson's warbler. The trill was more, seemed like less of a trill, I guess, to me, and more of a repeated notes that are getting more and more insistent uh, as it goes towards the end. Uh, that's the way that it kind of sounds to me. These are going to be hanging out along thickets primarily. Another good place to see them is if you were to walk out the road past Herring Cove. Uh, all of those salmonberry thickets along the side of the road there, it's not unusual to hear and, and sometimes even be able to get a good look at those. So I'll go ahead and play one more recording, this one from Thimbleberry Lake, just a couple of songs here. And you might hear a second Wilson's Warbler in the background. These two were singing back and forth. Once again, that was the Wilson's Warbler singing. uh, That one recorded at Thimbleberry Lake. There are two other birds that I want to make sure to cover before the show ends here in a little bit, and that is the thrushes, the hermit thrush, and the swainson's thrush. Their songs are somewhat similar in quality. There are some distinctive uh, differences that make them not too difficult to tell apart with a little bit of practice. Uh, The hermit thrush shows up earlier in the season. Usually the hermit thrushes are here around the first week of May, and the swainson's thrushes don't usually show up until around the third week of May. And so I'll go ahead and play a recording here of a hermit thrush to start with. was a hermit thrush and you might have noticed a couple of calls of the varied thrush there a little bit in the background there were actually also two hermit thrushes singing back and forth but the one louder one was was obviously closer uh, to where I was recording from and the thing about the hermit thrush you know the song is just amazing they start usually with this fairly solid note and maybe a little bit slurred kind of as a little bit of a sliding uh, slur uh, in that first note and then they have this very intricate sort of um, song I don't really know how to describe it but I think they're using birds often have uh, two vocal cords that they can use sort of independently so they can sing two notes at once in many cases and that's a little bit of what it sounds like that hermit thrush is doing so the hermit thrush will go up and down there doesn't seem to be a consistent pattern of of a solid note starting and then going up from there And so that's one of the things that sets it apart from the Swainson's Thrush. The Swainson's Thrush will start at a note, and I'll kind of repeat that note and then tend to go up from there. The Hermit Thrush usually just has one solid note and then um, sings its, its little tune melody from there. So here again is the Hermit Thrush. That was a hermit thrush. And now I'll go ahead and play a short clip of Swainson's thrush singing. Uh, Quality is quite similar, but the Swainson's thrush tends to repeat a note, not always, but tends to repeat a note at the beginning of each phrase and then really just spirals upward. That's kind of the way that it, the quality uh, sense that it gives is this spiraling upward. So that was a Swainson's thrush. Usually you'll start hearing them sing around the last of... May. Um, uh, hermit thrushes will often be singing by the first or second week of May. So they're both uh, good birds to listen for. They have similar sounding voices, but their song is different once you get the hang of listening to the Swainson's thrush, that sort of repeated note and the upward spiral that it tends to do, whereas the hermit thrush tends to have the solid first note, uh, not usually repeated, and then doesn't really spiral upward. It just has this very intricate sort of sounding song that comes after that first note so uh, before i wind up here i want to go ahead and i'll play each of those for you again first here is the hermit thrush That was the hermit thrush. And now once again, the Swainson's thrush. That, once again, was the Swainson's thrush. And now uh, we're running out of time here for today's show, and I didn't quite get to all the birds that you might hear singing. There are definitely some other migrant species that move through and breeding species as well. One in particular that I didn't mention today was the American robin. That's a fairly uh, well-known song, I think, the cheer up. Cheerio song, and I only mentioned but didn't play any of the varied thrush recordings, another uh, commonly uh, recognized song around Sitka. So I hope you have a chance to get out and enjoy the bird songs, even if you can't identify what species they are, and maybe if you listen uh, to all of today's show, you'll pick up a few that you start to recognize and and be able to learn, and in my experience that's the way you start. You start to pick out one or two at a time and and kind of get those, and each year maybe you develop a a little more uh, memory, or maybe you start over from scratch from year to year. I know a lot of folks uh, each year, they they know they've heard those before, but they can't quite remember what it is. Uh, So that's it's all fun. Good excuses to get out and enjoy yourself and, and just pay attention to the world around you. If you're interested in taking it deeper, there's no better time than the present. There are so many tools out there available right now, starting with the phone that you likely carry in your pocket. Many of us have smartphones that are capable of Recording and working as a field recorder, and that's often good enough to get a recording and share it with somebody or just re listen to it yourself and compare it with recordings you can find online. If you happen to do that, I'd be happy to listen to it. Uh, if you're in southeast Alaska, there's a decent chance I'll recognize the song, but not always. And if not, that's all the better. It's always great to have mysteries and new things to learn, so I appreciate that. So you can email me, sitkinnature at gmail.com. If you get a recording of a bird and you'd like some help trying to identify it, I would be happy to do that. But there are also other tools out there uh, to help with bird identification. One that I've heard about is Merlin. Uh, it's an app for a phone, which somewhat recently they've started including audio, sort of AI audio uh, understanding, I guess, that identifies birds based on their calls. So if you have your phone and you have it out there and the microphone picks up the bird songs, it will try and identify it based on that. Um, based on the reports, I've not tried it myself, but based on the reports that I've heard from others, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Sometimes it gets it right on and sometimes it Uh, suggest species that are very unusual, uh, very unlikely to occur here. Their home range is, say, the east coast of the United States or something like that. So uh, take those results with a little bit of a grain of salt, but it can be a good start and a good way to start learning. It also, that app, as I understand it, has tips for things to look for. And if you put in some characteristics that you can see, it'll bring up a list of suggestions for birds. There's also the social component of birding, which is uh, one of the best ways to learn. And in my opinion, the best way to learn is from other people who have experience in the area uh, with birds. And you can connect with other people through the Facebook group Sitka Birds on Facebook. Just search for Sitka Birds there. Request to join the group, and you can see the pictures that folks have been posting there. Post your own pictures, ask questions, that sort of thing. If you don't do Facebook or would prefer not to join there, or maybe you want to join there and here, there's also just a straight email list. It doesn't get as much traffic these days as the Facebook group does, but you can go to sitkanature.org, and somewhere down there on the main page, there will be a link to subscribe to the Sitka Birds email list, and so that's another good way to uh, connect with other local birders here in the Sitka area of course there are also regional and national many different sort of ways that you can connect with birders more broadly as well as I wind up the show here I'd like to thank you for joining me this week on the Sitka Nature Show and as always I'd love to hear what you're seeing out there please feel free to send me an email sitkanature or you can get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there it's a lively and active time of year with changes happening every day, birds coming and going, and plants uh, growing and blooming, all of these things happening, and a great time to get out and appreciate the increasing daylight and the increasing warmth and all that spring has to offer. I'll look forward to being back in a couple of weeks. Until then, this has been Matt on the Sitka Nature Show, KCAW, Sitka.